Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey. Brian, hey, Dad, thanks for joining us. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. We've been reminding you that you can experience health care on call with the C Spire health app, health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi, plus for a limited time, Visits are just $29 for C Spire customer. C Spire customer inspired. Uh, been engaging in a bit of genocide in the Oxford studio. Sounds harsh. Genocide, yeah, I, I kind of feel bad about it, but not really. Like, ants are kind of gross. Apparently, Rippy left his lunch in here yesterday. Of course. The I'm, one I'm day you're not on you, there, Rippie. look at what happens. Yeah, gone for one day, leave some lunch in the trash can. I, I just happened to look over at the wall, and there was like this trail of ants, like thousands and thousands of ants. And I didn't have anything to spray on, so I took the trash out, got rid of the food supply, and then the only thing that I could find was a uh, like a cigarette lighter that was laying on the table. <laughs> so I started frying them. doesn't take much heat from the uh, the old lighter. To uh, make ants not want to crawl anymore. Ugh. Seeing as I made a ham and turkey sandwich in my kitchen, I'm going to blame the once a weekly show that pops in during the 558 segment with the screech <laughs> of the door once a week and see what that might see if that might have the culture. So you're blaming it on Chuck and Yancey. <laughs> All I know is I came in here with a bottle of water and no ants, and I got here today to a bunch of dead ants. There are a bunch of dead ants, and. Uh, they're, they seem to be getting the message. Like they're, t- I ask, uh, hey dad, do, do you know much about ant uh, practices? You can't say that I do. I saw that movie. Other than that, no. Well, I just was, I was asking Rippy if I wonder if he knew if ants were like Navy SEALs, like they won't leave their dead behind. <laughs> so are the ants that are alive going to come back and uh, rescue all the ant corpses and haul them back to wherever the homeland is? I'm pretty sure those will will not that will not happen. Yeah, it would be kind of intriguing if that were the case. But I think they're just kind of like walking around the dead bodies and realizing there's no food left, and they're all gonna head for the hills before it's long, before it's uh, said and done. I, I I don't know though. We are glad to have you along this afternoon. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. Again, that number gave it to you just a second ago, 601-879-4395. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Porky, what is our uh, Twitter question for the day? So we're going to start uh, poll number one on this Tuesday with uh, a simple one. Is Patrick Mahomes clearly 
the NFL's best quarterback today, right now. Not in the history, not top 10 all-time, whatever, but clearly is Patrick Mahomes the NFL's best quarterback right now. I mean, it takes a little bit of a turn when you say clearly, doesn't it? It does. And so the options are going to be yes, no, but top three, no outside of the top three, which should receive zero votes, but that's not for me to decide. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think he's the top quarterback right now, but like when you say clearly in all caps, it almost makes you think, well, I mean, is there is there can there even be a debate? And there can always be a debate, right? With one other guy. Russell Wilson? Yeah. Anybody else in that conversation? No. Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. Brady's not there anymore. Don't think Your Lamar's boy, there yet. Lamar Jackson? You said current quarterback, not like based on everything they've done in their entire career. But so you wouldn't have Lamar Jackson there? No, he's a more dynamic athlete, but Mahomes' ability to beat people through the air in every way. I mean, he's accurate intermediate routes. He's accurate short routes. He's accurate with the deep ball. He's got strength like nobody else does. He is the most well-rounded quarterback I don't want to say ever, but that we know exists currently playing in the league. And can hurt you with his feet. If you go back and you watch the game from this Saturday, or this past Sunday, there were two, I mean, he had a rushing touchdown, but there were two or three plays where he was able to get a first down, move the chains, keep a drive going. So he is not run first guy. And I don't know that Lamar Jackson is necessarily run first. I mean, I, no, I'm confident he's not. You can't be a run first quarterback in the NFL. But... It's a bigger part of his game than it is for Pat Mahomes. Without a doubt. But as you mentioned, Mahomes just, he has that dynamic. I think the answer is, I think it's yes, but closer than the bolded word clearly defines. Because Russell Wilson, nobody talked about him because his team outside of him wasn't really all that good, as Rippey's mentioned a few times on this show. But he maybe had the best year of his career when he most had to carry the team on his back. Fair enough. You can vote on that on the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter page. It's at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. A few things to get to this afternoon. Hey, that big basketball game last night, top 10 matchup in Columbia, South Carolina, Mississippi State against South Carolina. Turned out to be a great basketball game, a close basketball game. South Carolina led early. Mississippi State uh, was, what, down one at halftime? They were down 43-42 at the half. Bulldogs outscored South Carolina by four in the third quarter. South Carolina outscored Mississippi State by five in the fourth quarter. Wasn't able to watch it, really couldn't listen to much of it as I was driving home from, uh, from Jackson last night. But what I saw on Twitter and message boards and kind of general conversation, people were furious about the officiating and furious about the announcers. That's a very fair assessment of of the uh, of the off the court, or I guess the officiating is on the court, but uh, beyond the game itself, kind of things. That's what people were were upset about. I mean, I just it's me. I just expect officiating to be bad when I turn on a sporting event. I, I don't, you know, I, I would be more surprised if the officiating was good, to be totally to be totally honest with you. There were some bad calls in that game, but there are bad calls in every game. The announcers, I know these are, these are some of your coworkers. I know you've done some games with some of those, both of those ladies, but 
I mean, just watching the game myself, and I, you know, I try to distance myself from being a bulldog. I really. All right, who were the broadcasters? Was it was it Beth Mullins, Beth Mullins and, Debbie and Debbie Antonelli? Antonelli? Yeah, and you just watching that game, and I, I would love for you to go back and watch it. To be honest with you, to okay. get a professional opinion, because it felt like they were openly cheering for South Carolina. It was yeah. really, really evident to me. And I mean, like I said, I'm just watching the game myself. And you know, normally when people talk about announcers being biased, I won't buy into it. But if you had on this this one, I just felt like it, it just felt unprofessional to me. And that's just just my opinion of it. I, I I've and never I, worked with Beth Mullins. Obviously, she is a play by play announcer, so there would not have been an occasion for me to work with her. I will say this about Debbie Antonelli, and I will make no apologies for it. She is one of the single most professional people that I have ever worked with. Now. I've never worked with her on a women's game. Uh, I know she has a great love for the sport of basketball. She has excelled professionally to the point that not only does she work for ESPN, but CBS has hired her for the last few years to work on the NCAA men's tournament. So she is extremely respected within the television community and the basketball community. And she and I have had conversations. She recognizes, especially when she's doing a men's game, She's not interested in any, in any silly stuff or any fluff or any of the other stuff that a lot of other announcers get away with because she understands and, and, and again, has said to me, I get that I'm a woman broadcasting a man's game when, when she's doing men's basketball, and she thinks that her credibility is based on it being X's nose related and about the game and not about all the other stuff. Um, so, but But, again, I didn't watch last night, and... Like I said, I've never worked with Beth Bowens. I don't know if she was kind of driving it in that direction or what. But I would vouch for Debbie Antonelli being not only good, but well-prepared and respectful of the teams that she covers. I've talked to her before about Mississippi State, and she's got a ton of respect for Vic Schaefer and the job that he's done there. Now, with that said, I I am not defending because I didn't watch it, and I know there are a lot of people that were really upset about it. Right. The, the, the comment I made on, on the podcast was this, that if you were calling an Ole Miss-Mississippi State game and Ole Miss went on a 20 to nothing run and they're just killing State, I don't think that anybody who was an unbiased observer just watching the game would know that you were an Ole Miss person, that you, you went to Ole Miss and that you any of that. They would just say, okay, this guy's just calling the game. And watching the game last night, it felt at times as if Debbie Antonelli was – like like her kids went to South Carolina, she went to South Carolina, her grandparents went to South Carolina. It just like she was a legacy. You know what the funny thing is? Hmm. She went to NC State, and she has a son that's in school at Clemson. Yeah. yeah. So, um, those Carolina people, you just can't trust them, right, Borky? That's true. Or do you think I'm here? That's true. <laughs> Said the guy who hails from the Palmetto State. So. We'll talk a little bit more about the actual game. Um, apparently, uh, you know, just based on kind of what I could see on Twitter and the reactions that people were having, there were a lot of people that were locked in on it. Certainly, a lot of Mississippi State fans. Uh, Bulldogs still in good shape, and I've heard some sentiment that maybe people are even more excited about this Mississippi State women's team after that game last night than they were going in. Ceasefire text line. Brad says I haven't watched South Carolina play much, so I can't say if there was a game, mercy if there was a mercy game or whatever. But if they bring that game to Mississippi State, it's a blowout. 
Mm, okay. I guess he's saying if the way South Carolina played last night is in Starkville as opposed to in Columbia, then he thinks Mississippi State wins. Yeah. Uh, here's one. My wife's a State fan. I'm a Rebel. I was reading a book and casually paying attention during the game. It seemed to me the announcers were openly biased for South Carolina. Here's one that says, agree with, hey, Dad, usually don't like to get on the announcers, but it was bad last night. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so what about the game itself? Hey, Dad, I threw out for a second ago as we were going to the break that um, there are some people that seem to be more encouraged about Mississippi State's team going forward given how they played in that road environment with a bunch of young players on the roster than maybe they were even going in. Does that make sense yeah, to you? I'm, I'm one of those people. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I said on yesterday's show that I thought you know if State could could keep it close and you know maybe it, it, even lose by single digits that would be a, a big thing for them. I mean they they were in control of the game for most of the second half. Uh, you knew South Carolina was going to make a run and they did, but State had every opportunity to to, to win that game. And uh, I thought they played a lot better. You know they only got two points out of Jessica Carter, um, which I think if you had told me that Monday morning I would have said well State probably lost by twenty five thirty points. Um, you know, their freshmen continue to improve. Batharu, Jackson, and Mingo Young. I mean, that's a good young core. Yeah, I was. I, I came out of that game thinking, wow, this is a team that maybe can go a little further in March than I originally thought it did. Another text message, I feel better about our MSU women's team. I didn't expect them to stay close on the road. However, we had the last possession with a chance to tie or win, but threw the inbounds pass away and lost. Mississippi State's girls will be fine and are really good. No surprise there. Um, what yeah. one thing worth pointing out, you know, the officiating. If the calls go against you, yeah, you don't like the announcers, whatever. Still a chance to win it at the end. And Mississippi State went what the last three and a half minutes of the game without scoring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you're not going to do a whole lot when it comes to that. If if you, if you can't score in the final minutes of the game, you got no chance. But that said, even with all that happening, yeah, they had. They had the ball on their end of the court under the bucket, down two with a chance to tie, and just couldn't get the play in. So, uh, I mean, it's a tough loss. You know, Vic Schaefer, we got to talk to him today, and he, you know, he, he felt like they had every opportunity to win. He, he, he talks about being, you know, deserving to win. You know, did you play hard enough to deserve to win? He said that he felt like they did. Um, but at the end of the day, they just didn't make enough plays there at the end. Russell Planting Company on Twitter, I don't know if that's Mr. Russell or somebody else from that account, saying that all national broadcasters have always been biased against Mississippi State, any sport, anywhere. Forgive me. you, Richard. For, forgive me, it's just not true. It I'm a bet 99.9% of announcers don't care at all one iota about either school. It, I, just throwing it out there, Syracuse grad Beth Moens. Bet she doesn't care. Well, I mean, that, that but I was actually, so I was on a plane coming home from uh, College Station and was having a conversation with the lady who was sitting next to me on the flight from Dallas to Memphis Saturday night. And she said she was a Memphis basketball fan. I was like, oh, I've done some Memphis games, haven't done anything in a couple of years. She's like, well, what do you think of Penny? I was like, ah. I don't know. I mean, you know, a bunch of good players. We'll see how it goes. She's like, I feel like you're being diplomatic. I said, here's the deal from a television standpoint. I honestly don't care who wins or loses. Like, honestly. And it doesn't matter. 
if I'm doing a game that involves Vanderbilt or Texas A&M or South Carolina or Mississippi State or Ole Miss. I don't care who wins or loses. There are a couple of things that I want. I want a competitive game because usually that helps viewers hang around. I want compelling storylines so that it's not like you're just jumper from the baseline, that's good. They're pressuring up the floor, three on the way, no good. Rebound, you don't want to do that. You want to be able to tell stories. You want to be able to uh, try to invoke a little local flavor. Uh, That's something that Tom Hart does a pretty good job with, Uh, You know, recognizing local businesses or things that fans of a particular school will recognize. So, so if, for example, let's say you're doing a game or, or I'm doing a game or Tom's doing a game that is Mississippi State against, uh, uh Georgia, yeah, home game last week. And in the course of the broadcast, um, who was the game? Well, I've got a better example than that. Hey, Dad, who, what was Mississippi State's home game last week that, that Tom and Andy Kennedy did? Missouri. Yeah, it was that. Okay, so it was the Missouri game. Right. So at one point during the broadcast, they show Richard Williams, who's sitting there doing the radio color, and make reference to the fact, you know, only coach to lead Mississippi State to, um, you know, the Final Four. You know, SEC champion, whatever they said about him. Right. And then either AK or Tom One said, I think it was AK goes, Richard Williams looking dapper over there, snappy dresser. And Tom followed it up with, yeah, I bet he's been to George Sherman's men's clothing store a time or two, and then just moves right along. That means absolutely nothing to somebody watching in Columbia, Missouri, or to somebody watching in, to use Rippy's example a second ago, Syracuse, New York. But it helps an announcer kind of connect with the local audience and shows you've done a little bit of homework. Yeah. So you're, you're looking for things like that to inject. But in terms of, man, I really want Missouri to win, or I really want Mississippi State to win, Tom's a Missouri grad. You wouldn't have known that from watching that Mississippi State-Missouri game last week. Right. You might know that just because you know it, but otherwise. So I, I don't know. I just I tend to think that whatever. That is not something that is unique to Mississippi State fans or Ole Miss fans or anybody else to think that or to have no, the reaction. Right oh, the, the announcers are biased against us. I mean Kirk Herbstreet deals with that all the time. <laughs> He's just a whatever. Michael in Poplarville, uh, Poplarville says the media hates the entire state of Mississippi, it seems like at times. Well, some do. It is looked at differently. I use the example after the Egg Bowl. I mean, so, so the Egg Bowl thing happens, and that was really stupid, and it was international news. I'm not saying what Elijah Moore did was not stupid. But like the column that you saw in Yahoo, what was it? The fatal act of selfishness that is unparalleled in sports. And then literally two days later, Georgia, who had a national championship on the line, had a starting receiver grab a Georgia Tech player by the face mask, drag him off the field, throw him into the stadium wall, (laughs) and start punching him, getting him suspended for the SEC championship game in which a win sends you to the college football playoff, and it did not receive that tone. 
What's a more selfish act? Doing a fake peace celebration when you're four and seven, playing a game that, in the grand scheme of things, isn't really of consequence, or being a starting receiver, getting yourself thrown out of a game against your rival, getting you suspended for the SEC championship with a chance to play for the college football playoff. Which act is a more fatal act of selfishness? It's the Georgia guy, but he didn't get looked at the way Mississippi did that day. Yeah. I feel like that's more with print guys, even though than broadcasters, although you're you're talking about an example, you know, in the way that broadcasters cover things. Old print dudes love being stuffy. Fatal act, who died? I think he's Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead's tenure as the head coach at Ole Miss in Mississippi State. But he wrote that before anyone got fired. I think he's trying to say it was fatal in terms of his team's chances to win. It killed their chances to win. I mean, I guess maybe make a thirty yard field goal. Yeah. But even still, I mean, that tone, Tennessee had a player step on the unhelmeted face of a Vanderbilt player. You had a fight in Nevada where the fight on the field pushed itself into the wall of the stadium and fans were ripping the players' helmets off. That happened two days after the Egg Bowl. Fans were taking players' helmets off. Philip and Starkville says, I know a couple of sports announcers on the national stage that I always felt were fair and even at times pro-Mississippi State, Tim Brando and Ron Franklin. And Ron even went to school at Ole Miss. Ron Franklin. Loved by everyone except Holly Rowe and Janine Edwards. Yeah. Those two. Uh, Richard uh, James in Hattiesburg. Richard, which fan base has accused you for being biased besides Mississippi State? Um, I, James, I'm, I mean, it's possible that I have forgotten the answer to your question, but I don't think that really I've ever had Mississippi State fans accuse me of being biased when it comes to a television broadcast. This radio show, eh, probably a different thing. I don't change them a lot, change my approach a whole lot, but anyway. Uh, there was a question. Ole Miss recruiting. How's it looking? We need something good. That was on the C Spire text line. We'll talk about that next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along on this Tuesday afternoon. How about this just for a random note? from college football land, Gus Malzahn has said that Chad Morris will have full control of the offense. Quote, you don't hire a guy like that and not give him full control. Close quote. Why does Gus keep doing this to himself? It's funny. We spent some time this summer talking about him saying the exact opposite thing, that him turning over play calling duties was a huge mistake that he would never make again. One season later, after it worked out for him with a true freshman quarterback, for the most part, turning over play-calling duties again. Well, isn't he just making a vague blanket statement? He didn't say he had play-calling duties. Remember when Ed Orgeron gave Matt Canada full control of the offense? Yeah. Um, The responses to that tweet are pretty good. There's an Arkansas fan, or just a random fan, that says, I think that sounds like a great idea. Uh, there was one response that says, still waiting for it to be installed at Arkansas. Thanks, Coach Chad Morris. <laughs> Wait, didn't that one Somebody point... said, 
oof, sorry, bud, and tagged Bo Nix in the tweet. <laughs> oh, uh, didn't at one point this season Chad Morris say he only had 20% of the offense installed? I don't know. I think that's where that's coming from. Is it, he, he threw out some kind of percentage number, and it was like, hey, you're in the middle of year two, probably should be further along by then. Really fired people up over there. Hmm. So we got a question on the um, on the ceasefire text line that said, "How is Ole Miss looking in recruiting? We need something good." That was the text. Rippy, a uh, a commitment yesterday for Ole Miss. Jadavion Clowney's cousin, Damon Clowney, has committed to Ole Miss and. I guess that's a big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, weak side defensive end with an impressive offer sheet. I mean, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Louisville, among others. Uh, he will be the highest-rated player currently in this class, recruited heavily by Chris Partridge. I think he's the 137th-ranked player nationally. But, yeah, a big piece at a huge position of need in the sense that Ole Miss uh, loses a lot on the defensive line next year. So, Probably always hesitant to say with true freshman out of high school, particularly on either side of the line, but probably has a chance to make an impact next year. Six four two twenty defensive end, St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, and uh, enrolling win. now, right? Yes, enrolling for the spring semester. Two twenty is a little light to play defensive end in the SEC, so my guess is they probably spend the next few months trying to get him bigger. I would think so. I would, it would be interesting to kind of see what he is by next August, something like that. And because I know a lot of guys, particularly as freshmen, struggle to keep weight on when you get you know, through camp and kind of in the weekly grind of a season. A uh, story from Tom Van Heron, who covers recruiting at ESPN, uh, has an interesting connection. He says Lane Kiffin hired Michigan safeties coach Chris Partridge and former Maryland coach DJ Durkin as co-defensive coordinators. Both of them have recruiting ties to the Maryland area. Biff Pogie, the head coach at St. Francis Academy, served as a special advisor at Michigan when his son Henry played for the Wolverines. Pogie's time, hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, at Michigan overlapped with Partridge's tenure as well. Um, DeMond Clowney originally had committed to LSU, but the school and Clowney parted ways mutually in December, just before the early signing period. And to Rippy's point just a moment ago, Clowney is now the highest-ranked commitment uh, ahead of Austin Keys, an ESPN 300 linebacker. Uh, Ole Miss in ESPN's rankings currently at number 41 in terms of class rankings. They're up to 20 commits. Is that right now? Does that sound about right? Yes. Let me double-check really quick. I get commits and signees. Those are kind of... Not exactly the same thing. No, but I guess this time of year, close to being one and the same. Yeah, certainly a couple of weeks from now, uh, that will be the case. Anything else on the recruiting front over that the last 18, couple of days? eighteen, I believe. Okay, so 18 commitments at this point. So still some room to, or some work to do over the coming days. Correct. You have 12, you had the 12 from the early signing period, and then you've got six commitments. Have you guys seen this crazy guy on Twitter that has kind of billed himself as a Georgia insider that is just 
insane. Just peak internet. I'm convinced he's parodying Alex Jones, the guy from InfoWars, and people aren't picking up on it well enough. That's what I hope it is, because if that's not what it is, he needs to be uh, put in a jacket in a padded room. But institutionalized? Yes. Yes. Uh, if that's You're not giving that guy on. a lot of credit for, that based on what we're seeing, for mimicking and parodying a crazy political dude. I mean, the, the accents and stuff line up and, like, the way he pounds the desk and everything. I, that's just what I'm hoping it is because, I, again, if that's not what it is, he, he's got real problems. The, the crazy guy on Twitter, I don't even remember his name. What, what Do you know guys know? I do not. It's floating around out there. He's convinced that Zach Evans, the running back that we talked about yesterday who was originally committed to Georgia and the he and the school parted ways and whatnot, is actually going to Georgia, and the whole thing has been orchestrated and is part of like this big scheme or grand plan. And what's crazy is that like this guy's got followers, right? More than I do on Twitter. And the the reasoning for why he knows that that's happening was that he has seen a picture of this recruit's financial papers. And the thing about that is, and most people don't know, that doesn't mean anything. That only binds the school to the player if he chooses that school. But you can sign financial papers with 125, however many it is now, Division I schools and still only have to go to one. But people see that and they believe it. And then if he does sign with Ole Miss, it's going to be the same thing. Ole Miss out here cheating because we had him and we had his papers, but somehow it didn't happen. And people buy that crap. I'm going to bet this guy's a quack. And like a decade ago, probably wouldn't have had any vehicle to gain any sort of notoriety. He's the new. Orky, you're closing Ramsey. in on four thousand Twitter followers. Gave me bringing yeah. it up the rear as far as the four of us, but that's okay. I tweet too much about Zion to to gain followers around here. Hey, Dad, you're closing in on ten thousand. I am. Ah, like it. Where are you, Rippy? Up there. How many Twitter followers do you have, Rippy? Um. Four seven eight seven. What an accomplishment! So, so closing in on five thousand. Yeah, I'm gonna throw that on a resume. So you and Borky, you're a star you're, uh, maker cross, kind of racing against each other. Yeah, he long passed me a while ago. It's the, getting to cover the teams and me not like exclusively covering the team on a daily beat standpoint really hurts me. Mm. That's what yeah, I've come to determine. A lot of people out there with Twitter followers they don't cover any teams. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you can establish a following in a lot of ways. I don't really do sure. anything on Twitter other than say dumb yeah, things every so often. You can also throw a credit card in a website and get that thing jacked on up. Oh, yeah. We're going to look up next week, and Borky's going to have 107,000 <laughs> Twitter followers. They're cheap. What'd you do, Borky? Um, I know a, a guy in college, he was actually, I would call him a friend, whose sister w- tried to be a, a model. And this was back before, like, Instagram modeling was a thing, but she was trying to be, like, a social media model and forgot to, like, cancel the credit card on one of those followers buying sites. And it went from, you know, 5,000 followers to 10 to 100,000 to 150,000, and it got all the way up to almost 500,000. And nobody knew who this girl was whatsoever. But 
she forgot to cancel her credit card and she just kept racking up these robots. Whoop. <laughs> that's a that's a lot. Hey dad, anything on the uh, recruiting front last day or two for Mississippi State that stands out to you? Nothing from the recruiting standpoint. State did get a uh, the only flip I've seen so far of the uh, the recruiting season, but it's just a prefer- well, I shouldn't say just. I mean, the kid deserves credit. Per, uh, preferred walk on spot from Ole Miss to State uh, Trip Wilson, who was a wide receiver out of Tupelo, also a big time baseball prospect. He was originally committed to Memphis uh, to play baseball, uh, but he has made the uh, the flip, as it were, uh, to Mississippi State. Um, and as a wide receiver, you know, gosh, with State's receiving core, he might actually have an opportunity. I know. People tend to get enamored with walk-ons sometimes, but, I mean, State needs receivers, so my guess is he'll have some opportunities in the fall to, you know, to see what he can do. Am I remembering right that this, so from Tupelo, was committed to Mississippi State and then committed to Ole Miss and now committed to Mississippi State? Is that was wasn't committed to Mississippi State at any point. Okay. Until now. Pr- prior to this. Right. So there was the Memphis baseball thing, and then it was Ole Miss and then Mississippi State. Yep. So, good for him. Um, look, man, if you're a wide receiver right now, and you kind of look at the opportunities that look like they will be available in Starkville, and it's hard to argue with that decision. Sports Talk Mississippi. You on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill Bender's going to join us on the Farm Bureau phone line in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll kind of maybe get some final thoughts on the, uh, the 2019 season that wrapped up with LSU winning a national championship. Um, maybe have a little bit of a look ahead to 2020. Was it yesterday or Friday that we talked about Travis Etienne? It was Friday. Uh, it, yeah. The news had, I believe, broken that night or early that morning. So, yeah, yeah, that was a big conversation Friday. That was Travis Etienne going back to Clemson. I've thought about that some more since then. Of, of all the, you know, go back, Stay, leave early, etc. I think that's the one that's most surprising to me. He's among the top three running backs that would have been available in this draft. Now, I will never, ever, ever be critical of somebody who says, I'm going back to school. I like college football. I like my coach. I like my teammates. I want to get my degree. You know, maybe I made a promise to a family member or I've just promised myself that I was going to get that so that it can never be taken away from me. And I know people say you can go back, but it's really hard to go back years later down the road, so I'm going to do it right now. Never, ever will I be critical of that. Really cool. And for some guys, it works out well. It's just, again, surprising to see somebody who could very likely be a first-round pick, and at worst would be a second-round pick, say, you know what, I'm going back to school again, especially at the running back position. Yeah, and college is always going to be there, too. Yes, but again, like I said just a second ago, I mean, I I get somebody saying, you know, you can always say you're going to go back and college is always there. It's hard to go back. You go make a bunch of money professionally, 
I mean, do you really want to go back and start studying again and cracking the books and getting ready for finals? Doing homework is what I always always think about. Like, well, you know, now I get off work, right? I'm done, done for the day. I can I, I can I can just put my feet up. I can't imagine like coming home and then doing more work. Yeah, I never really did homework anyway, but the, <laughs> I didn't either, and that's why my that's why I barely graduated. Your wife did it all. We hey, all heard about that. Hey, right? barely. I mean, you graduated, right? That's all that matters. Yeah. C's get degrees or something like that. But yeah, well, the I mean, point I was making is you. if pro football does not work out, like if he runs out of money, if he doesn't have any prospects, there Clemson will take him back, and he will be able to go back to school and start over. That op- that opportunity will always be there for him. Yeah. I think I saw 115 underclassmen have declared for the NFL draft. They're not all getting drafted. Travis Etienne's one that would. To be honest, I was just going to say a second ago, um, I mean, I've toyed with the idea of going back and getting a master's degree. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, the rationale behind that was I'd love to teach. You know, but one way or another, just go get an MBA or. Get the masters that Rippy got or whatever, just <laughs> but because you've got to have doctorate. doctorate. Yeah, easy. Yeah. What do you think Rippy's teacher review of Richard Cross would be like? <laughs> It'd be good because I'd be a fun teacher. Give me twenty minutes and we'll see. Yeah, well, maybe not. <laughs> you might be right about that. But no, I mean, I've kicked around the idea, and you can be an adjunct professor and teach one class per year. If Basically, you've just got professional experience but don't have an advanced degree. But if you want to actually be a teacher, you got to have an advanced, you know, a minimum of a master's degree. But anytime I thought about doing that, I thought, okay, first of all, that means I got to go take the GRE. You took that? Uh, yes, I did. There's a bunch of math on it, isn't there? I think. Yeah, I think Some. I think it's math and English type of deal. Yeah, I'd be fine on the English side of it. I'd be doomed on the math side of it. I think you'd be all right. I took it after a golf tournament. <laughs> Any prep for it? Oh, absolutely none. None. Okay. So I think you'd be okay. Also, the master's degree gives you a uh, higher ed. Give also gives you a license to unleash takes online about how football brings in too much money. Schools should be going elsewhere. I thought you had to have a PhD for that. I don't know. I've been. Uh, I've got a bunch of those in the holster. I'm going to fire off soon enough. Yeah. Anyway, point is, I don't really want to go study for the GRE. I don't like the idea of not making a high enough score on something to get me in, and I'm not sure that I love the idea of having to go back and study and actually do homework, Borky. It seems like that's not optional at that point. Uh huh. Well, I mean, again, Rippy, you can correct me on any misconceptions. <laughs> I mean, your wife could help you. <laughs> That's a good point. Rippy, help implies that he was involved in the doing of the work. Yeah. Well, I. Had a, she probably would tell you that she's got enough degrees. Thank you very much. I had a roommate doing his freshman math homework one year, and he offered to get the guy to write a paper for her because, quote, he had him on salary. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. You know, you've got all these different social media platforms, and then you've got business social platforms like LinkedIn. Are, are you guys on LinkedIn? Probably should be, but no. I am. I don't know that you really should be, Borky. It's Facebook for nerds. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe people actually get jobs out of this. I, I, I don't know. 
I do know people that have gotten jobs out of this. But I just clicked on the messaging tab on LinkedIn, and the uh, the the headline is "Billionaire Investor for Your Company?" Question mark. Mm. Okay, I'll read on. Here's what the body of the message. Richard, if you had additional capital, could you use it to grow SEC Network? <laughs> Or to fund a liquidity event for you and your shareholders? Ooh. I don't mean to burst your bubble here, buddy, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. I think they've cleaned up some of that, though, because when I first got LinkedIn, I used to get like, hey, Brian, try these diet supplements. It's not a pyramid scheme, swear. No, thanks. You going on a diet? No, I'm not. You ever thought about it? got nothing to lose. Sorry. I mean, technically, I'm on a permanent diet. I can't gain weight. Have you attempted to? I mean, I'm not, like, juicing or anything, but I'm not trying to gain weight either. Yeah. If you're looking would to gain you, weight, uh, I can help. <laughs> I have if a plan If I got for on that. the gas, though, I would look pretty funny. Think so? <laughs> Imagine my body with just these gigantic arms. Like, Who would the comparison be? How tall are you? Generous five six and a half, which reminds me, I got a Facebook notification. The uh, <laughs> basketball article is five years old today. Happy birthday to me! Oh, the one where uh, they were laughing at you and they thought you were that is correct. But imagine if I was roaming the basketball court with those pipes and this body, I could throw off my center of gravity. I would have never, air- I I would have always airballed. How tall was Popeye? Like a Maury- Maurice Jones Drew kind of look. Yeah, how tall was Popeye? It was a cartoon, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was just trying to figure out if, you know, Rippy looked like Popeye. He had to be short, right? Because Olive Oil and Brutus were both tall. He was shorter than Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it seems to uh, stand to reason. Sports Talk Mississippi, good to be with you. Would you experiment with HGH? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got to try. Cut are there, right there. Are there multiple, are there multiple ways to take HGH? Because I'm, uh, I am not. Are you a, needle averse? Yeah, well, no, I'm just not a huge needle guy, and like. So, do you like ask the doctor not to give you a shot? Like, is there some medicine I can take otherwise? I used to. I had strep a couple times as a kid. When I was a kid, I would prefer the pills to the shot. But then at the third time, I got it. Eventually, just got over it. I don't like I'm opposed to shot, but I'm not getting stuck in the butt to get yoked or anything. Like, I, it would have to be like some medical reason. <laughs> I would get That's where you take HGH, to, to lose right? weight. If if there were, I, I don't know. I've never experimented with it. If I could, hey, I Dad, what was that? If I could lose weight by taking a shot, I would do it. I take a shot and like wake up in the morning, and, you know, be a few pounds down every time. Yeah, I feel like there's really no experimenting with HGH. You're either on it or you're not. And it has to be supplemented by a pretty rigorous workout routine, right? I I don't know. I mean, you can't just take a shot and all of a sudden you're swollen. Or swole or whatever. Right, yeah, you have to you have to proper nomenclature have to put the work in on top of that. Yeah. Swollen. Okay, then what about the what an old the, man? What what if you got injected and then did nothing but eat fast food? I don't think it would I think you would just get fat at that point. So there is an opportunity for you to gain weight. I don't think you have to just eat the uh or have to I don't think you have to take the HGH. I think you could just eat fast food and get No, he does that. Yeah, he's, hey, Dad, he, he's one of those people. Hey, Dad. We got to put him on like a 5,000, 6,000 calorie a day kind of diet. 
What the calories or carbs good or bad? I read something yesterday bad. that said carbs may not be bad for you, and there's no difference between white and wheat bread. I don't worry about carbs and what I'm doing right now. I just worry about calories. Hmm. I eat bread. I had tacos last night. Stan and Ripley, I swear, y'all, I could listen to Rippy talk all day. Rippy, you should do a stand-up comedy show on the side. I'm just copy and paste that one to my girlfriend. She didn't think so. Uh, Will East told me yesterday there's a new comedy club in Jackson. You could uh, try and do a stand-up routine at Chuckles. At what? Chuckles. <laughs> I'm not a big, like, dimly lit coffee shop, throw a one-liner on a stool about politics type of guy. Like, How about this weather we're having? Even with steroids and HGH, you still have to have good workout regimen to get big, not going to sit on the couch and be cut up. Bet that guy's wearing a sleeveless shirt right now. Uh, Richard in Wigan says you can build muscle with no exercise. It's called growth hormone. But, yeah. It's also I mean, called it's... couch muscle. Mine is huge. Are these coming in on the text line? Yeah, somebody says don't worry, you'll gain weight once you hit 35. Not everybody 30. does. 35? <laughs> Someone says I need to go on a diet. I... Who says you that? Facebook the wrong guy, Chief. I don't know about that. Hey, hoops tonight. Ole Miss in Knoxville taking on Tennessee. Rebels are getting six and a half points. So Tennessee is six and a half point favorite in the game. It's a tough matchup, but this is not a Tennessee team that scares you with their offensive prowess. That said, Tennessee may go light Ole Miss up for 80 tonight, but you're not scared of what they do offensively going into this game. It's the likelihood that Ole Miss goes to Thompson Bowling and steals one tonight. Slim. I I mean you you talk about Ole Miss has been close, but the things that they don't do well, and this sounds like coach cliche, but are personified on the road. Tennessee, pretty good defensive team, don't score it particularly well. Oh, they're about middle of the pack rebounding wise, I guess nationally. I just I think you'll see more of the same. I think they'll probably keep it close for quite a while, and they'll have some sort of scoring drought down the stretch that really haunts them and you know end up with a 7 to 12 point defeat. Is there anything that happened on Saturday night that you think is a positive sign? I mean LSU's a pretty good team sitting there undefeated in the SEC and Ole Miss was a handful of missed free throws away from winning that game. It was a home game, not a road game, obviously. Um, Any positive carryover? I mean, your all-SEC guard going for 36 seems pretty good. But, I mean, there was a point in that game where they were down nine. It seemed pretty flat because I got crushed on the, for this online for pointing that out later. But you know, people see the tweet 12 hours later and think it applies to the whole game. Story for another day. But they were kind of flat at one point. They were down nine. And to their credit for a team that didn't always like, bring its own energy, uh, really kind of turned the course of the game. Hunkered down, went on a fifteen to two run, and took the lead. So, like, not the whole like, there's no quitting them rah rah thing, but I think that was an important moment because things were going bad, and they at least, you know, wrote the ship to some degree and gave themselves a chance to win the game because they did have a chance to win the LSU and Arkansas game. They just couldn't make enough baskets and string together enough stops in the final minutes. Tennessee averaging sixty six point one points per game. That is thirteenth in the SEC. Ole Miss is 11th at 69.2 per game. 
Alabama's the top scoring team in the SEC. How about that? The the Nate Oat uh, uh sorry, Nate Oates effect being felt in year number one in Tuscaloosa. Eighty three and a half per game for Alabama this year. Uh, you know, you can't do just scoring and expect to know exactly what you're gonna get. Um what about shooting? Tennessee is 13th in the SEC in field goal percentage. Ole Miss is 11th. In three-point shooting, Tennessee is... They're shooting 30.5% from the field, from three. Ole Miss, 32%. Um, I don't know. I mean... Looking at numbers and comparing those side by side doesn't really feel like it gives you a good a good gauge for how this game plays out, does it? Not really at all. But I think I know how it plays out. Borky, what do you think? Um, without having watched much Tennessee this year, I, I think it. It's kind of bizarre, uh, unexpected that you have uh, seen a regression, really, from uh, K.J. Buffin, especially because, I mean, he changed his body, and early in the season he looked like he was going to be a contributor, and they're just getting nothing from anybody else. And the highlight of that being Devontae Shula, I read an article about an AAU team that he was on, one that had John Morant on it, that had Zion Williamson on it, and he was the focal point. He was the scorer, and just... Uh, this year in college just has not taken the step when they've needed him most. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that you've seen Hinson and Buffin and Schuler not step up and take some of the scoring load off of Tyree. Tennessee three and two in the SEC. They lost by 14 to LSU to start league play. They beat Missouri by 10. They beat South Carolina by one. They lost by 17 to Georgia and then beat Vanderbilt by 21. David and Socher says Popeye was 34 years old, 5 feet 6 inches, weighed 158 pounds. Okay, so that's comparable. Stick some bricks in my pants like the day the air hammer had to uh, get some hammering done. I'd probably get 158. I think I would have paid money to watch you run a jackhammer with bricks in your basketball shorts pockets. I got the better end of the deal that day because the guy I was working with who was equally just ill-equipped to do anything we were doing that day, <laughs> the guy, our boss told him to hop on a backhoe. Started and you think you got the better end of the deal? Yeah, are you kidding me? I would have killed somebody or badly hurt something with the backhoe. What, are you about to give me the red-blooded American male can't even ho- operate your own backhoe deal? I've never operated heavy machinery. Yeah. I promise you, you did not get the better end of the deal. Why? You were running an upright 90-pound jackhammer in the blazing sun. Meanwhile, your boy was driving a backhoe. I don't think there's any AC, and we were five feet apart. Like He was sitting on a tractor. So maybe backhoe... And you were... For however long. Yeah, but he's having to figure out the levers and stuff. Oh, no, not the levers. You should see our boss. 
Um, tell me I'm not wrong here, guys. Rippy thinks he got the good end of the deal running a jackhammer. Actually, I've always kind of to run a jackhammer. That sounds like fun. No, it's not. It's really not. I mean, there's a sense of accomplishment that goes along with it, but fun yeah. is not really the, the word that I would well, use. See, I, I enjoy yard work, and I know that's not the same thing, but I enjoy difficult, like, physical tasks that, like, accomplish a goal. So even if it's hard and it's hot and I'm sweating or whatever, but that type of work, I, I enjoy doing it because of that feeling I'm afterwards. with you, man. I, I'm with you. I'm just telling you. A big full size jackhammer in the blazing sun. That's a different kind of work. This was so when we were redoing the house that we're in, Borky, there was a great big fireplace that was in the middle of the house and it had to be moved. Like there was just there, we, we tried everything we could possibly try with the architect to work around it, but it was just funky shaped. It, it wasn't like a rectangular fireplace. It, it, and it was like you walked in the front door. And if you just kept walking, you'd walk smooth into the fireplace. So it had to go. So we started out basically above the roof with a sledgehammer. And then once we got into the attic, (laughs) (laughs) middle of the summer, insulated attic, but not like foam insulated, like the puffy fiberglass insulation, Running a jackhammer, which you're going to be, you know, long pants, long sleeves, and whatnot. I've never sweated like that in my life. So this guy makes sense. I'm on the text line now. It's embarrassing to learn a backhoe in front of people. Trust me. And our boss treated it as if we were, like, firing up some kind of Game Boy that's pretty self-explanatory. He was not understanding about it at all. So <laughs> I think I got the better end of the deal. Jeff and Grenado says, uh, Backhoe is the best boy toy. Jackhammer is like a circus. Seen one, you've seen them all. Phrasing. Aaron in Calhoun County says, Give me the backhoe every day of the week. Richard says, I bet you had that back uh, that jackhammer bear hug just holding on for dear life. <laughs> There's somebody out there the- listening that would get us access to a jackhammer. Recreate the whole scene. We'd have to have something to tear up, though. My driveway. How about this burn, guys? Richard, have you interviewed for the MSU defensive coordinator job? You've been running defense for Ole Miss on the radio for five years. Ooh. Boom! Nailed it. Got me. Walk away, Richard. It is embarrassing to learn a backhoe in front of people. That's the one you read a second ago. Jeremy and Jackson says a backhoe is fun. Case 580 construction king. Rippy working the jackhammer got his swole on that day. (laughs) Probably the most physical exertion I've yeah, I would say so. In your life? No, I was going to say since that like <laughs> since that day. Jeff and Grenadus has put Rippy on a backhoe and sell tickets. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. Like, I don't think I'd be able to move it around. There's levers you and do stuff. It while Just... eating Pringles. No, I'm done with that. <laughs> I want. I think I now want to get you on a heavy piece of machinery. I mean, I could probably do a tractor. Those things seem pretty tame. Hmm. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We talked a little about Ole Miss and Tennessee. Three other games tonight in the SEC. Texas A&M is at Missouri. Probably doesn't do a big rating number, does it? <laughs> no, probably not. Brian. Yeah. Over, That's under. 1,100 butts in seats in Columbia, Missouri tonight. 1,100? 1,100. Actual butts in seats. Eh, over. I mean, 3,500 there. College basketball should really find a way to kind of like, like with games like this, find a way to like Maction showcase it. Because people like Maction because it's crazy bad football, right? But crazy bad basketball doesn't really get like the same like admiration like this in a weird way would be fun to watch because it is going to be a rock fight basketball college basket i've tried especially because you know richard's so locked into it that i've tried to take a tuesday night and watch not old miss or mississippi state just casual college basketball i have a hard time with it really i do it and the better teams, of course, are more enjoyable because they have better players. But I, like, I simply could not sit down and watch A and M in Missouri tonight. I couldn't do it. I, I would rather watch the same episode of Friends over and over for three hours instead of that basketball game. I have a theory that I've been working that I meant to drop on the podcast last week, but I haven't with regards to college basketball. So, like, I've watched three, four middle of the road SEC games. I would just say of recently that a bit, a bit of I like basketball. I like the NBA better. I think I've been pretty consistent on that. But, like, kind of an eyesore. I watch it anyway because I like hoops. But I've watched three, four middle-of-the-road of the the Big East basketball-only conferences. Like, I watched a DePaul-Villanova game last Tuesday that was fantastic. Uh, They had some kid named Charlie Moore for DePaul. They lost an overtime comeback. was ridiculous. But he was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. Those games seem infinitely more visually appeasing than your middle-class SEC teams, and I could be totally making that up, but... I don't disagree with you at all. I watched a good bit of St. John's Butler a couple of weeks ago. I was just looking at the top 25 games tonight. CBS Sports Network at 6 o'clock. Number 13, Butler at number 9, Villanova. Sign me up. infinitely more enjoyable watch than, I mean, even, like... Tennessee Ole Miss. I know those are. That's not a great example because it's two ranked teams versus two non-ranked. Why well, is that? You get some local interest as well. Okay, so why is it like? Is there any credence to that theory? Am I just nuts? Because even it's, it's not just SEC. It's ACC too. Miami. Uh, Miami's at Duke tonight. Yeah, but there was a Miami game two weeks ago against like BC, maybe awful. But like, you know, would you rather watch Florida at LSU tonight or? Um, I don't know. Today, tonight might not be the best example. I mean, or Butler Villanova. Oh, without a doubt, the latter. Yeah, but it's even the middle tier ones in those conferences. All right, so Florida LSU. Let's, let's see what else is happening in the Big East tonight. Um, St. John's at Marquette. That's a better example. I don't know if that game will be interesting, but it seems to be like I've seen those kind of Marcus games. Howard went for 40 against Georgetown on Saturday for Marquette. Yeah, I just those type of middle tier basketball only conference games like there's even a couple A10 games that seem kind of the same way. I don't know. Yeah. So Borky, what was your question? Why is that? Yeah, why is that? It because if the SEC's gotten so much better and 
is this a down year? I don't know, but everybody talks about the league elevating itself. Does it mean it just has a long way to go, or is it the style of basketball we play in this region of the country? Why is it that the observation that you both have had is that way? I think this year in particular, it's because the SEC doesn't really have marquee players. We may have some emerge as the season goes along. I think that's happening with Reggie Perry and Starkville. I mean, he was good a year ago as a freshman. Really good. And he's kind of emerging into that elite category. I could be a prisoner of this year, too, because you could argue the Big East is the best conference in college basketball, could you not? Top mm, to bottom? I think the Big Ten, probably. But top to bottom, like through and through. Bottom of the league versus the top. Yeah, I think the Big Ten is. And <sighs> does this lack of... Well, well, but Borky, one other thing I was going to say, the SEC lost 13 of its top 15 scorers from a year ago. That'll hurt. I don't think we felt this way about the SEC last year. Because, okay, the Tennessee Ole Miss game tonight, as an example, you also had Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield in that game last year. And a guy and, that might win Rookie of the Year if it wasn't for John Morant in the NBA. I mean, St. John's is last in the Big East right now. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. See Spire text line. This is great. Rippy using a backhoe to open a can of Pringles on pay-per-view. It sells itself. Jeremy and Jackson uh, suggest that you start with the Bobcat. Mini excavator as opposed to, like, full-size backhoe. I may have very well been on one of those. I don't know if it was mini or full-size. I didn't know they came in large, medium, and small. Okay, you, you've got uh, some pictures <laughs> that are on the ceasefire text line. Somebody has sent us a picture uh, the one that you responded to, why does it have a tail? That the big boy or is that the small one? That's a backhoe. That's a full-on backhoe. It's got a front-end loader on it and it has the, the bucket on the back. Got all-wheel drive and heated seats, too? Like I, I, I don't... That one does not appear to, no. Uh, is that what... Or was it a smaller version of that? I'd have to see the smaller one up next to it. I don't know. Oh, no, is it... <laughs> I have no idea. Porky, he's the least perceptive person on the planet. I mean, this is six years ago at this point, and you're looking at this very somewhat grainy photo of this piece of equipment with looks like some kind of scooper on the back, and you're asking me to decipher which size it was? It's not a grainy photo. Hey, Dad, would you describe that as some kind of a scooper on the back? I mean, it scoops things. It does. It's probably not, probably not how I would describe it, no. Uh, hey, Dad, what's your heavy equipment experience like? Uh, I have uh, very little. Well, hold on now. You... This kind of pokes holes in stereotypes, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. I, I've operated a baler. Baler will crush your arm. Yeah, you should only use it if uh, you're if you're licensed. No, in the right in the right Borky. <laughs> sure. Question, Richard: Should you ever use a baler? Crushing stereotypes. Have I or should I? No. No, you should not. Say that look like a guy that just would 
hop on a backhoe and take off? No, no, this, the crushing stereotype. I mean, what, what's the stereotypical whole Mississippi State, Ole Miss thing, whatever? I grew up Tractors on the main streets and of Vicksburg, and Say what? I grew up on the main streets of Vicksburg. We didn't, we didn't have, I didn't have any uh, farm equipment. Fair enough. Richard and Wiggins wants us to um, refer to you as Jackhammer going forward. Mm. Says uh, Rippy may need to stick to sitting around the fire at deer camp and drinking beer, also known as making s'mores. <laughs> What's wrong with s'mores? Nothing. Give me a couple of Popeye's spicy chicken sandwiches, a lawn chair, and put him on a backhoe. Entertainment from ours. <laughs> that is Matt in Tupelo. I mean, I'm really, I'm openly admitting I don't think I could do this. So I, I was happy just, you know, getting thrown around by an air hammer. <laughs> Somebody sent us the video of the kid trying to put the square block into the round hole and said this was Rippy at two years old. <laughs> That's beautiful. Kid looks pretty jacked. That is beautiful. Okay, the most recent picture that has come in, that is actually a track hoe, not a back hoe. There we go. You know why? Because it runs on tracks instead of tires. Got it. Kind of like a tank. Kind of like a tank. NFL Draft will be here in April. We'll certainly look forward to that. In terms of NFL, uh, I'm sorry, in terms of underclassmen that have declared for the 2020 NFL Draft, uh, at least of local interest, LSU has nine. LSU's not repeating as national champions next year, are they? Would... It'd be too far to say if they win nine games next year, that would be a remarkable accomplishment. Because I know it's LSU, and and they will reload, as they say, and they've recruited so well. But going from Burrow to Brennan and having to replace both of your coordinators, one of which was kind of the savior of your program, and then nine underclassmen, that in the SEC West, and Alabama's not going anywhere. Um, I mean, Auburn should have beat them this past year. This is a put-up-shut-up year for Texas A&M. They do have to play Texas, who a lot of people think is going to be good. The schedule sets up well for them, but it's still the SEC West, and it's still replacing all of those guys, including the savior, the two saviors, really. Winning nine games, replacing all of that, would be a remarkable accomplishment, I think. Why are you not putting LSU in the same category that Alabama has been in now? I think they are. Because this happens with Alabama every year, and they never fall to nine wins. The losses are unbelievable, and we've got to see him do it first, right? I mean, Nick Saban gets the benefit of the doubt because he's done it so long. I mean, this is the first time that Ed Orgeron has won a national championship, but the first time he's had to replace a staff that was rated by other programs and replace nine early Uh, exits from his program and replace a quarterback for the first time LSU had a quarterback that when they leave you think oh crap where are they going to go from here and the the next guy up unless they hit the transfer portal is not near as talented and Dave I mean Dave Arando is considered one of the greatest defensive minds in college football he's gone now you're not hiring another Dave Aranda 
what Saban was able to do was churn these assistants out and churn these players out and replace them with equally powerful guys. We just haven't seen this happen yet for LSU. So we don't know if he's capable of doing that or not or if this is this kind of machine yet. Nine underclassmen from LSU, six from Alabama, five from Georgia, four from Texas A&M, three from Auburn, two from Mississippi State. That's a bunch of either draft-eligible sophomores or juniors that are leaving programs early. And, And the West... Nine at LSU, six at Alabama, four at A&M, three at Auburn, two at Mississippi State. So that leaves out, what, Ole Miss and Arkansas? Yep. Arkansas didn't win a game in the SEC last year, and Ole Miss won one. And it was You understand why you don't have a bunch of juniors leaving early. Is the West as wide open this season as it's ever been? Ever been, that's a relative term, in recent memory, is the SEC West in 2020 as wide open going into the season as you can remember? Hey, Dad? Yes and no. I feel like it's a little bit more open, but at the end of the day, I think Alabama is still the team to beat. I think LSU takes a step back. I don't see how they can't. I don't have any faith in Auburn because Auburn will lose four games like they always do. And I mean, I don't think A and M is is making a jump either. So, I mean, when we go to Atlanta for SEC media days, the second week in July, third week in July, when we get home on Friday and they send out that email that gives you the results from the all SEC teams and the predicted order of finish, Alabama is going to be picked to win the West. Yeah, I think I don't think it's that the uh, the West is wide open. I think the West might just be down. You might like who finishes second might be a nine and three, hmm. eight and four kind of team. Who's going to be picked to win the East? Georgia or Florida? Georgia has done a complete revitalization of their offense. So this year, that I mean that was their Achilles heel, right? Fromm was okay, but not great, and they didn't really score on people. Got beaten overtime. Uh, against South Carolina in a game that they should have won if they were just competent offensively, weren't competitive in the SEC championship because they just couldn't score. They turn around and get... uh, He's under the radar, but their graduate transfer quarterback, probably the best one available of graduate transfers. And then they had... Jamie Newman at Georgia? Yeah. I I mean, who's been more productive than Newman has in the graduate transfer market? Is Miles Brennan going to be the quarterback at LSU next year? They were in on De'Eric King, but that didn't work out. Where are they going? Yeah, here's the thing. Miles Brennan looks different. You remember watching him get into a game in his freshman year when it was whoever was the starter, and you had Miles Brennan in there and Lowell Narcisse, and you looked at him and you're like, that guy doesn't look like an SEC quarterback. He looks different now. He looks like an SEC quarterback physically now. And if you remember... Coming out of St. Stanislaus, Miles Brennan put up ridiculous passing numbers. So, could Miles Brennan 
over the course of two seasons, if he becomes the starter, could he be Joe Burrow 2.0? We'll believe it when I see it. I, I agree with you. We've absolutely got to see it to believe it. But didn't know much about Joe Burrow. And he was just very okay for the first half of his first year as a starter and then got much better in the second half, exploded in the bowl game, and then his senior season, whoo, look out. Could we see that with Miles Brennan? We'll see. Terrible news out of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, According to a release from the Birmingham Police Department, former Mississippi State wide receiver, 25 years old now, Derunya Wilson, has died as part of a homicide. And there are, at least according to the Birmingham Police Department at this point, very, very few details. Hey, Dad, this is just horrible news. Yeah. Really, really bad. Um, this uh, happened to get a, a tweet uh, sent to me in a group text, and uh, I reached out to the, uh, the young lady who, who she just tweeted, "Rest in peace, Deronia Bear Wilson." Uh, I reached out to her, and she said that he was uh, the victim of a homicide. She sent me the video from the Birmingham Police Department, and where it says you can even see on, on if that, I assume that's his home. You can see there's a Mississippi State uh, flag or, or banner hanging on the house there. So. Uh, hopefully, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm not there, and maybe it's a case of mistaken identity or something like that. But it looks, it looks like this is indeed the case. Deronya Wilson at Mississippi State left after his junior season in 2015 to enter the 2016 NFL Draft. He played in 39 games in three years, 133 catches, just shy of 2,000 yards, 22 touchdowns including 10 on that uh, 2015 season. And then he was a guy that he was a big target, pretty sure-handed, and made some really, really big plays for Mississippi State in his time as a football player. Yeah, uh, a really good SEC wide receiver, a guy that I thought had a chance at the next level. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think he got some bad advice coming out of college. Um uh, then he went to the combine and he wasn't prepared. You remember if he famously ran a five flat, uh, and that's just you know that's just not going to work uh, at that level. And, and from there, you know, I think if he had come back for his senior year, uh, he and Fred Ross, that might have might have been a different story for him. Uh, but as you see now, it's it's ended in tragedy. And uh, you know, obviously, our thoughts and prayers will go out to his family and his loved ones. Um, a great a great Mississippi State uh, football player, a, a good bulldog, and. Uh, just a tragedy. Twenty-five years old, man. What a waste. Yeah. That that picture. It's a it's a video release from the Birmingham Police Department, but that that was the thing that immediately jumped out to me as well. Over the right shoulder of the gentleman, beyond the sidewalk, inside the fenced-in area, hanging um, on the front of the house, was a uh, a Mississippi State flag, kind of one of those crest-shaped flags. Yeah. With the uh, M State logo in the middle of it. And I mean, just terrible, yeah. um, absolutely terrible, and and kind of out of nowhere. And again, we know no details at uh, right at this point. Uh, as we find new news, we will uh, pass that along to you. 
You can text the show, C Spire text line 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395 on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. Actually, it's on my Twitter feed. Uh, Gaines says Ole Miss won two SEC games, not one. It's bad enough without making it worse. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you you were talking about specific SEC West wins, so you, you spoke correctly. Yeah. Still one two, I guess. Yeah, but Vanderbilt was the other, right? Yeah, same difference. I mean, those are the teams they beat want to combine five games. So yeah. Um Goodness gracious. Hey Dan, what were your interactions like with uh Darunya Wilson when when you were covering? Didn't didn't have a whole ton of, of interactions with him, uh, to be honest with you. Just the nature of my job back then, I didn't do a lot of player interviews. Um, <laughs> you know, in the times that I did get to speak to him, he was always nice, good, seemed like a good kid, and uh, you know, I like I, said, I thought he had a very bright future at one time. Uh, it, it, it saddens me to see how it, see how it's ended. Duranya Wilson, former Mister Basketball in the state of Alabama, uh, in addition to being outstanding uh, an outstanding football player, he was listed on the basketball roster one year for Mississippi State, but uh, did not play any games. Um, had a big Orange Bowl. Uh, not a ton that was memorable from the Orange Bowl for Mississippi State, but a nice game. Nine catches, a couple of touchdowns uh, for Darunya Wilson. That was uh, following the 2014 season. And if you just missed the news uh, a moment ago, a report from the Birmingham Police Department. Um, Darunya Wilson, a homicide victim. Um, and very few details at this point. 25 years old. Uh, was from Birmingham. That's where he was living. And uh, just horrible. After not making it with an NFL team, he had signed on with the Albany Empire, uh, which was a uh, was an arena league team, I think. Um, and was on recallable reassignment, so had not uh, stuck there. Yeah, arena football team out of Albany, New York. So, yeah, hey, Dad said it a second ago. Our... Uh, most sincere condolences to the uh, family and the friends and all the folks that uh, that knew Darunya Wilson, who has uh, passed away of an apparent murder in Birmingham. Sports Talk Mississippi, take a quick timeout. Be back with you for the college football fix to start the 5 o'clock hour. Just after 5 o'clock with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Tuesday afternoon. 21st of January, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. The C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Experience health care on call with the C Spire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, visits if you are a C Spire customer are just $29. With C Spire Health, it's easy to get quality care for colds, the flu, earaches, nausea, sore throats, and other minor non-emergency medical conditions. Learn more at cspirehealth.com and get well sooner. C Spire, customer inspired. We always start the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix. Let's do that right now. It is SUV season at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out the website, buyfordnow.com, or just stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive an SUV, SUVs that perform the way sports utility vehicles are supposed to uh, perform. Drive it like a 
Ford. Hey, Dad. Defensive coordinator, Mississippi State. Yesterday we talked about this, and it kind of felt like Brian Newberry was going to be the guy. We talked about him in detail. Uh, the Service Academy experience, first-year defensive coordinator at the Naval Academy under Ken Niamatololo. But today, maybe the news is a little bit different. What do we know? Oh, it's a lot a bit different. You can go ahead and, and just you know cross him. Forget off about it. Yeah, that, that apparently that is not going to happen. Uh, okay. Couldn't come to it. Couldn't neither neither side could come to an agreement. However, it was going to work. Uh, and so Newberry is off, and now you're sort of back uh, where we were a few days ago. I don't know that there is a, a true favorite anymore at this point. I, I don't know that there's a a name that I can say that's like he's trending in, in that direction. So. You know, one thing I've sort of come to the conclusion on, is, and, and I, I don't want anybody to tweet at me, you know, especially on the beat that uh, that Rippy works on about my, my opinion on this, but, uh, you know, John Cohen, these last few coaching searches, you know, with Andy Canizero, you sort of knew that was going to happen. You, you felt like even ahead of time he had talked about him. But with Moorhead, Lamonis, and then Mike Leach, there, you really didn't know about those guys until it started coming together. I mean, obviously you knew who Mike Leach was, but... He didn't know that he was a serious candidate for Mississippi State. Lamonis, I mean, if, 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 if there's an MSU fan that knew who Chris Lamonis was before he was hired at Mississippi State, I want to meet that person. Same with Joe Moorhead. He was just not a guy who was really high on the list, but that's who they hired. So I'm not saying that I'm going to go buy into the whole idea, don't believe it till you hear it from John Cohen, but at the same time, Cohen has done a pretty good job of keeping these things pretty close to the chest. So we'll see what happens here. I, 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 I expect him to have a defensive coordinator in, in place, by the end of the week, because you do have yeah, some, but you know, recruits are going to start coming in. But right John now, they're, they're not hiring they're, a defensive coordinator, though. Mike Leach is. But John Cohen is part of the process. And Mississippi State, for whatever mm. reason, has done a pretty good job. Is he? Of, I, I would think so. I mean, it, it, would you think that a, a an athletic director wouldn't have some. You know, oh, no, no. I mean, say. I think ultimately he would sign off on it. But when you Especially hire a guy you know, like with Mike salary Leach, involved and things like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you hire a so, guy like Mike Leach, you are giving him the latitude to go out and hire his staff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that MSU fans, are I feel, are having some struggles with right now. You know, Mike Leach is a two-time national coach of the year. He is a proven winner at a at Power 5 schools. He's going to get a little bit more latitude in terms of what he wants to do with his staff than when you just hire, a, 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 you know, you think back to like when Dan Mullen was hired and Mark Hudspeth was already on the staff before Dan Mullen was even hired. So, you know, this is something, you know, People are like, oh, he's just giving you know his his Washington State guys raises. Well, you sort of earn that right when you've won as many games as Mike Leach. You can do those kind of things. You know, you don't have to go out of your way. So, but that said, I, I would imagine MSU is going to have a defensive coordinator in before the end of the week, just because as recruiting is, is going on, you've you got to start having some coaches in place to tell guys, hey, this is who you're going to play for. Is there an element of this that? I don't want this to sound negative because I don't mean it that way. But the reality is Mike Leach is the offensiest of offensive guys. Yeah. Is it possible that he's not that worried? He's like, I mean, I'm going to hire a defensive coordinator. We'll get it done. But isn't necessarily worried about getting it done today or tomorrow or the next day? I think there's something to that. For sure, I, I think he's not—he's not overly worried about uh, 
I get somebody to call defensive plays. Or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'll get someone. Yeah, exactly. We're going to score 60. Let's go get somebody and hold them to 30. <laughs> we'll see how that works in the SEC, I guess. Uh, but for but for me, yeah, I think I, I look back. When Moorhead was hired, it was on the 28th. They announced Shoop on the 10th. Uh, so, I mean, the time frame isn't that far off at this point. you know. And, say, okay. and this was the same thing that happened a few weeks ago. People were like, oh, my gosh, this coaching search is taking forever. And then they pull up Mike with Mike Leach. So that's how I'm going to look at this as well. You know, I, there's going to be a defensive coordinator in Starkville next football season. I, I'll but I'll guarantee that much. The difference, though, in the example you used a second ago, they hired Joe Moorhead on November 28th. Oh yeah, obviously. And there was a December 10th hire of a defensive coordinator, not a hire that was made mid-January. The time or, frame or, is definitely different, but at the same time, you know. I just don't think you're going to hire a guy, a head coach on Friday and have his whole staff ready to go on Saturday. Hey, so you know, what do you think happened with Brian Newberry? That's a good question. You know, maybe and, and, he... and time out just for a second. You, you a second ago used the Chris Lamonis example, saying, mm-hmm. "Look, nobody knew who he was before he was hired." Eh, some people right. probably did, but you had to be yeah. a big time college baseball guy, and you kind of right. had to understand coaching trees. The and where average Mississippi State under. fan did not know who Chris Lamonis was. I would say hundred percent certain. 100% agree. The first time I had heard the name Brian Newberry in my life yeah. was yesterday. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think if I, you know. I think it may have something to do with the seemingly the rest of the defensive staff has seemingly see, already been hired. This, is, this has been going around a little bit, and I don't necessarily agree with that because I look at Bob Shoup. When Shoup was hired, and Shoup was a, you know, a proven defensive coordinator, that's a name that the average college football fan knew who Bob Shoup was. But he came into a staff where Brian Baker and Terrell Buckley were already on staff, and then the one extra coach that was hired was Tim Lukabu to, to hire linebackers. Well, he was a Moorhead guy. He had played for Moorhead at Fordham. So Shoup didn't really have any kind of, you know, I mean, I'm sure he had some input as into that one hire, but for the most part he walked into a ready-made situation. So I, I don't think that that's, that's a breaking point. For anybody, I just think maybe you know at the end of the day, Newberry felt like this was not the right opportunity for him. Sort of the same way with Billy Napier. Maybe they're betting on themselves to, you know, get a bigger, better job down the road. You know, it can be iffy sometimes with that. But we'll see. But I, I, did, I think at the end of the day, he just, he just felt this wasn't the right fit for him. Did I read that he was just finished his first year as defensive coordinator at Navy? Yeah. Yeah. At Kennesaw State previously, yeah, and the FCS ranks for a long time. They had the turnover plank there. I don't know if he was involved in the actual implementation of that, but Kennesaw State has decided to make fun of turnover props, and they have a little piece of wood, it's a two by four, but cut to where it's only about eighteen inches worth of it, and they drew a crooked smiley face on it and dress it up, and that's what they give to guys when they get turnovers. I like it. Is that not a cartoon spoof? It is from somewhere. I was reading... Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I should have known that. Yeah. Ken Niamatololo makes $2 million a year. Actually, probably makes more than that. He's at the Naval Academy. This was a 2017 story, kind of end of the 2017 year. So we're two seasons removed from that, and he made $2 million a year at the time. Um, the service academies have kind of gone through a little bit of a transition 
and it's allowed them to kind of get back to the point of being competitive in terms of holding on to coaches. Formerly, they operated under the like university umbrella, but in recent years have transitioned to nonprofit entities. So Army transitioned in 2017 into a 501c3 called Army West Point Athletic Association, a change that followed legislation that authorized it in 2016 uh, as no longer part of, uh, I guess it was the National Defense Authorization Act. So instead of being the Army football team being part of the Department of Defense and the same thing at Air Force and Navy, they transitioned into private entities that allowed them, has allowed them to co- compete. I didn't know that. That's um. You're looking at budgets around fifty million dollars at <laughs> Army and at Navy now. So I don't know what Newberry is making, but I would think that there are a lot of positives to being a coach at a service academy. Never have to worry about your kids off the field troubles. I would think that's a big one. No, you get somebody else that'll take care of those issues. Crusty old sports writers are at it again. Bill Bender's not one of those guys. He's not crusty and he's not old, even though he tried to make me old last week. Sports Talk Mississippi, Bill Bender. From the Sporting News on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Baseball Writers of America ballot, 99.7% first ballot votes for the captain, Derek Jeter. Bill Bender, there was one schmuck out there that didn't think Derek Jeter was worthy of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's unbelievable, number one. Number two, per our last conversation, so my wife turned 36 yesterday, and we were out to dinner with one of my good friends, and he asked her if she was 40, and she uh, used a very strong phrase to tell him no. Um, <laughs> so this is my way of apologizing. Us 40-year-olds out there, we maybe we just feel a little insecure. So in New Orleans, our hotel was right across the street from, uh, from Harrah's. The, the big casino down on the edge of the quarter, and we walked through a couple of times, and I don't think I ever sat down at a table while I was there. It was crowded. <laughs> First time I went through, I got carded. The second time, I had pulled my license out, and the lady standing there, she's like, you're good, go ahead. So, you know, it, run, well, it yeah. runs the gamut. Runs the gamut. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm you know, I, I don't know what you want to fire at me but 10 days removed it's uh i i just even though it's been a week and a half i just can't say enough about how joe burrow played and that lsu team played uh 15 and 0 season obviously they lost a ton to the nfl that is a season for the ages as far as the sec is concerned and i think kind of the perfect storm and now we're gonna see if lsu can handle what alabama clemson ohio state have been able to do and that's that old phrase we all love so much where we're going to find out if they can actually reload. Yeah, and it feels like LSU is one of those teams that is in reload, not necessarily rebuild mode, but nine underclassmen going to the draft. Obviously, Joe Burrow's a senior, so they lose 
their starting quarterback who has arguably the best season for a quarterback in the history of college football. They lose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They lose two offensive linemen. They lose one of those three receivers that was so good. They lose the tight end in Moss, who was so good. And then they lose a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if any of that matters as much as losing Dave Aranda, though, and Joe Brady. Is that is that fair? I think the Brady and Aranda hires are, uh, to other places are huge. Um, because LSU has always been able to produce NFL talent. They've done that. I mean, they, I always tell people they had Odell and Landry on the same roster, um, just like the Browns did, and that doesn't necessarily equate to wins. But I think the philosophical change to Joe Brady made such a big difference to that program. And Aranda, obviously, you know, one of the highest-paid defensive coordinators. Um, so, yeah, those are things that – I mean, if you look at Clemson, they've been able to keep Elliott and Venable. You look at Alabama, Saban's done a great job of filling those coordinators – or just getting rid of the ones that he didn't see fit. And um, that's going to be another challenge for Ed Ogeron at LSU. Is he up to the task? I mean, I'm not sure that I believe that it's fair, but I've heard people float out the idea, well, now we'll really see how good Ogeron is. I think we just saw what he's capable of. Is it fair to grade him on a sliding scale, though, based on how he replaces assistants? and how he rebuilds this offense, and how soon LSU can replicate this? I mean, on some level, yeah. I mean, it's uh, he's in the national championship club, though, and that club is exclusive as can be. Um, you know, Dabo and Saban and him are the ones that have won one at their current school. Obviously, Jimbo, Mac Brown, and Les Miles are at a different school. But, um, I mean, that's a pretty prestigious club to be in if you ask me. And other guys like Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley will try to get in there. But I think, yeah, he proved what he's made of. I think the program took a cue from him this year in that never back down philosophy. I mean, like he said afterwards, you know, some people make fun of him, his voice, or punching himself in the jaw. Or, you know, when he came into the title game, he was acting like, I don't even know what. I wouldn't get near him. But he act like he could tackle a bear. Um that team fed off that all season, and they'll have to continue to feed off of it because, as you know, life in the SEC isn't easy. You can go; they're a team that could seriously go from fifteen and zero to nine and four or eight and five, and that's reality in that conference. Yeah, Bill Bender from the Sporting News on uh, on your radio. What is what? What did you think? So you've been to national championship games in a bunch of different places. Uh, only place I've ever been to a national championship game is the Superdome. I've been twice. I went in 2012, and then I went uh, went this year. Uh, the atmosphere to me this year doesn't even compare to what it was like back in 2012, but I think maybe that's like how I remember it because the game was so boring. W- what did you make of the atmosphere at this game this year in comparison to Santa Clara last year? or Atlanta the year before, some of the other places that, that the college football playoff national championship games have been played? I've been to all of them except the first one. So for me, it was um, you know one of those deals where um, it, it was awesome. And it was one of those things where, um, yeah, you know, I don't think you can touch that atmosphere that they had. And uh, part of it was not just the LSU fans being there, but the other half of it was, the um, Clemson fans brought it. Like they, they might did. Have had seventy percent. You know what I mean? But they brought it, and then they were there. And as far as big time games I've been to, 
that was as good as any. Very cool. That was my first experience in the Superdome. And, you know, regard, I don't want this to be a political conversation at all. Regardless of how you feel politically uh, about President Trump, that was pretty moving the way it began, where the President of the United States comes onto the field and you get the big cheer and you have the national anthem and the chants of USA. It was a pretty cool way to kind of start the evening. And you, you had the buildup prior to the game and then that and then the game. And it was like the atmosphere just really never checked up. Yeah, you know, it, it ticked up entirely uh, the, the entire time, and I think just the fact that that both I, I went, I always, you know, what I do before title games, I go down on the field for a little bit and just yeah. kind of feel the atmosphere. And you know, as for any of us that actually tried to play a little high school football, you just kind of feel that energy, and you're like, man, this is awesome. And uh, you know, for those of us lucky enough to do that, it was pretty cool. And um, special night for LSU, obviously, it's going to carry more significance because they won it in their backyard. And Edo was able to do that in his hometown. I think one of the things I'll remember most about that weekend was I went to the Eddie Robinson ceremony on Saturday night and um, talked to Eddie Robinson's grandson about Ed Odron and just his how Ed Odron had this like unifying power with you know Grambling fans and Northwestern State fans. I think that's one thing. You know, as you know, and we've become kind of good friends here. That I live in Big Ten country. One difference between Big Ten and SEC country. They, they have the same passion. I'll always contend that. But that SEC brotherhood is something that doesn't really happen as much in the Big Ten. I think Big Ten, it's more, this is my backyard, right? And you stay out of my backyard. In the SEC, there's a, there, as much as you guys fight back and forth, it's still everybody's hmm. yard, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's a, an interesting perspective from somebody that kind of lives outside the, the footprint of the Southeast. Bill, what will be the the lasting image for you from the 2019 season, even if it's not from the national championship game, just one or two moments that are going to stand out above the rest. When you think back to 2019, it's, Oh, that's when that happened. I mean, I think it's just Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards, Alaire going into Tuscaloosa and winning that game and just keeping taking it down every time against Tua, Um, you know, and, and then, you know, I guess up this way, I, I just think, it, well, you know, if there was another one I'll remember, it's just kind of the Ohio State-Clemson game and how that, that really influenced the whole thing, that targeting call. Um, and there was a targeting call in the title game as well that we're just still trying to figure out this this role that, that can really influence big games. And I watch a lot of NFL, as you know. I'm a morning Packers fan right now. The 49ers were just the better team. But... um just to know that um, that that call can influence games as much as it does, and the more we see it in those big games, I think the more kind of anger toward that call we're going to see. This isn't a topic right now because the college football playoff with four teams delivered, but you know we're coming back to the eight-team conversation. How soon do we get there? we got 30 seconds left. Well, I think it'll it'll continue to pop up, but this is the year that kind of validated the four-team format, um, and it's one of those deals where I think um, enjoy it while we have it. We'll get to eight eventually, but you know it's different than the NFL playoffs. I, I just think the odds of five through eight winning in a fourteen or an eighteen playoff are a lot slimmer than they are in the NFL playoffs. So. The best teams have gotten through this year was we've had back to back fifteen to nose, Richard. I'm not gonna complain. 
No, that's uh, that's probably a good thing for us to uh, remember, and we'll wait until April to debate whether or not we should go back to eight teams or uh, stick with four teams moving forward. Bill, really appreciate you being with us all throughout the uh, the football season. You're the best, and look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, anytime, Richard. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. It's been fun to talk with him on the Farm Bureau phone line going back to, what, July? Yes, all sir. the way through the end of January. That's good stuff. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. If you missed it earlier, really sad news out of Birmingham. The Birmingham Police Department uh, confirming a homicide investigation in the death of former Mississippi State wide receiver Deronia Bear Wilson. Um, that news coming um, oh, about 45 minutes or so ago, and uh, really sad stuff. Hey, Dad, we, we talked about it earlier. Uh, he was a three-year player at um, at Mississippi State. He's tied for second all-time in t- terms of number of touchdown catches at Mississippi State with 22. Uh, he was a big part of um, that football team when Dak Prescott was there, that magical 2014 season for uh, for Mississippi State. And just a, a really, really sad story. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about him the other day when I was doing the when I was putting all those numbers together from Mike Leach, and I was thinking about Fred Ross and Dorian Wilson, and you know, the, the last really two big time threats Mississippi State had in the passing game as far as receiver goes. And I was thinking about them as like, oh, I wonder what kind of numbers they, those two guys could have put up with Dak Prescott in, in this offense. And so it's just sort of you know, sort of I guess sort of funny how that works that he, he was just on my mind the other day, and, and now he's gone, and uh, that's a that's a tough blow. Uh, for everybody who who enjoyed uh, watching him on the field and got to know him while he, during his time here in Starkville, got a um, an email that I will share with you. Said heard a little bit about Newberry not coming to state. Talking about the uh, defensive coordinator um, at uh, the Naval Academy, who was rumored to be coming to um, Mississippi State. And the email says, heard, I think, not a lot of positives, uh, positive to academies except kids not in trouble. <sighs> and, and I don't think, um, that was certainly not the intention, uh, any, anyway, or, or that was not the intention at all. I think, I think the, the service academies provide the most unique and I'm using unique as kind of an all-encompassing term here, athletic experience for any Division One athlete. And unique, like I said, kind of encompasses a lot. You're still playing Division One athletics, and the fans of the service academies, which are worldwide, want to win and expect to win. But there's also a different mentality among those fan bases, I think, Beyond just winning, because of the greater purpose that exists with the service academies, I mean, we're, we're talking about training the leaders of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, and you've got the Merchant Marine Academy as well. Um, and I, I realize there's not a Marine Academy per se. You, you get what I'm saying, though. Talk about training the future leaders of the military, and that's job number one there. And yet they still compete and have challenges 
academically, athletically, plus the the physical and mental toll that goes for preparing for a life of service, or at least an extended period of service to the country. So if I said anything that you didn't think was glowingly positive about the Naval Academy or West Point or, or the Air Force Academy, that was not my intention at all. You didn't. And, I think well, it, it sounded and, and like... I was just going to say, Borky, finishing up, in fairness, this email came from someone that I kind of know, but has a couple of sons that have either played for the Naval Academy or are en route to play for the Naval Academy. So I understand why there might be a little bit of sensitivity there. That was not my intent at all, though. It sounded like they were sending an email in response to something that Haydad and I said, in gist, tongue-in-cheek, with five seconds to go up against a hard break, I said, hey, you don't have to worry about your players getting in off-the-field trouble. And Haydad agreed. With five seconds left up against a hard break, if that offends you, then that's, I mean, that's a you problem. We speak glowingly often about the service academies, and, I mean, that, that was just another example of why they're so great, is because they have kids that, are easily coachable and, and the best that this country has to offer. A dear friend of mine from high school played wide receiver at Army. And I am. Which means he blocked a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, he started for two and a half seasons and caught like nine passes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm jealous of him because he, he's a perfect human. Everything about him, everything he touched, everything he did was the best. He was better than all of us. And I'm proud of him. He was on our show before, if you remember, years ago when I first I started at Telesal. I sure do. Yeah, I mean, he he's the best. And no, that was just a tongue-in-cheek thing up against a hard break. Don't worry. Yeah. We, we do not disrespect those people at all around here. Yeah. Um, there was one line in the email that I, I actually thought made a lot of sense. And, you know, you, you question what coaches are looking for and the ability to climb the ladder. I, I don't know what. Coach Newberry makes in terms of salary, but there is, I would think, a great deal of stability coaching at a place like there where the pressure is just different. I mean, the Naval Academy loves Kenny Niamatololo. It's been there since 2007, followed Paul Johnson, right? Yes, sir. Been there since Paul Johnson left and has continued to do that. Um, and yeah, you saw the you saw the defensive coordinator at Army leave last year, uh, make the the transition to the ACC. Um, the other thing is Annapolis is a really cool place. I don't know if you've ever you ever been to Annapolis? I have not. No, never had it a is, chance. It is absolutely gorgeous, and I don't know if this kind of falls into the chain restaurant thing or not. And I really don't care. There's a place on the water in Annapolis called. Chart the chart house, and big old wall of windows looking out across the water, um, back toward the Naval Academy. Absolutely remarkable. I don't even remember if the food's good. I think the food probably is good at seafood in this massive salad bar, and it's always crowded, whatever. But uh, it's uh, less about the food and more about the experience there. Anyway, so I uh, appreciate the email uh, coming in. Hoops coming up tonight. Florida is at Kentucky. Um, no, they're not. Florida is at LSU. LSU is a two and a half point favorite at home. Missouri is a ten point favorite at home tonight against Texas A and M. Kentucky is a twelve point favorite at home against Georgia. What do you guys think about that matchup with Georgia and Kentucky? I liked Georgia to win at home against Kentucky. 
and they had, I think, a five-point halftime lead, six-point halftime lead. Kentucky had a shot right before the break. They played just a couple of weeks ago on Tuesday night. And so now they're playing for the second time. Georgia coming off getting blasted. Hey, Dad, you saw them on Saturday. Can Georgia bounce back and compete with Kentucky in this game? I'm glad you said that they had already played because I was going crazy. I was like, haven't they already played once? Mm-hmm. This is really early to be getting the Yeah, it was in Athens. Second yeah, time around already. That's interesting. Uh, if the team that showed up Saturday shows up uh, in Lexington, that's going to be a really, really ugly basketball game. Um, can they bounce back? Yeah, I mean, they, they obviously have some talent. Uh, and Edwards is a, is a really, really good player. But I don't know that they can go up to Kentucky and win. The team I saw on Saturday certainly couldn't. Ole Miss makes a return trip to LSU already next weekend, just kind of a similar type deal. Yeah. That is strange. I saw a basketball person suggest that Cal getting ejected at Bud Walton was going to be or is the turning point from Kentucky being just kind of another Kentucky team to one that can actually compete for a title. Is that extreme, or do you think that maybe they're about to turn it on? That's overplayed a little bit to me because immediately after the ejection – Arkansas went on a run, and they pushed it out to 10 or 11. And then Kentucky turned around and went on a massive run to come all the way back. I thought Kentucky was down 49-46 when that happened, and Kentucky like finished off the game after that. They were. They were losing. Well, no. They, Kentucky they went down, was like, behind. Right after. He got they? ejected. They hit some free throws and then made a shot. And then immediately after that, Kentucky went on the run, I think. I think that's a little overplayed as well, but... I thought Kentucky was done after Cal got ejected, but little did I know. It was insane in there. You're, yeah, Kentucky players talking about it being the loudest arena they had ever been in or ever heard in. place is rather large. Yeah, it is. And it was lit on, uh, on Saturday. Lighted? You prefer... <laughs> No, no, lit's the appropriate. It's just no. Uh, I know it's the appropriate. I was trying to be funny. You went from swollen to uh, you're you're coming back down, Boomer. Thanks. Tennessee, a six and a half point favorite at home tonight against Ole Miss. Rebels needed in the worst way. What's the recipe if Ole Miss were to pull off an upset tonight in Knoxville? Tyree goes for forty six instead of thirty six. Top of that, rebound and rim protect. I don't really do either one of those well. Don't you have to have a night where both Blake Henson and KJ Buffin KJ Buffin play well? Yeah, but at both ends, I don't think scoring will be enough. Got to be defensively too, because it's gotten bad enough to where they can't play at the same time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.